Coming to you live from a barbecue shack near you, it's the SEC Slow Smoke Podcast. We've got the sweet tea, the white bread, and a whole lot of slow smoke takes lined up. So put down your turkey burger, turn up the volume, and grab your hog, because it's about to be on. Oh, yeah. Now, say hello to your self-proclaimed food and sports experts, the utterly enthusiastic Holt Smash, and the one and only Tinder King of Memphis, Mr. JB the underscore Brooks. And now, here's your host, always full of ship, Alex Bullship One. SEC Slow Smoke Podcast. I'm your host, Alex, with my lovely co-host, Holt Smash. What's up? What's up, Alex? How's it going, man? I'm doing all right. It sounds like you're uh, getting through it over there. Yeah, unfortunately, we had to let our mascot, Sadie, out of the uh, recording room. She uh, was starting to chase her tail in the middle of the room uh, for some reason. She uh, she gets real excited for the SEC Slow Smoke Podcast, so uh, but who does? Yeah, we, have to, we have to kind of calm her down a little bit. Who, who doesn't who doesn't get excited for the SEC Slow Smoke Podcast? Nobody. 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 Also joined by the owner of our uh, Mr. JB Brooks. What's up? I'm doing pretty well, Alex. How was your uh, day at work? I know that you just started back. Are you still uh, getting off that uh, holiday vibes? Uh, this week, probably. Um, I would say this week was the first like full week where everyone was back. I did work um, the two days uh, last week or whatever it was before New Year's Eve and right after New Year's Eve, but nobody was really there right after New Year's Day, but nobody was there. So I did work Monday, mm-hmm. Tuesday, last week, and then Thursday and Friday um, also, but nobody was there. So it's kind of nice. That's, that's interesting. Did you uh, have you used your new vacuum cleaner yet that your mom get, got you for Christmas? Uh, I did use it. I did break it out the other day. Um, I did feel old when she got me the vacuum cleaner. Wasn't super excited for it. And then I felt even worse when my manager was talking about how he got a new vacuum cleaner and how excited he was about it. So um, I felt um, felt very old and just kind of a little depressed that I'm not getting like an Xbox or something like that. I know. You know, eventually when you start adulting, like you start appreciating gifts like that. I mean, I appreciate it, but I'm not a big vacuum cleaner, vacuumer myself. But I mean, it is nice to have because we were uh, running low over here or running on an old one. But um, there's been a lot that's happened since we last talked. It's probably I don't know if it's been a month, but it's it's been a minute since we last podcast. I know whole smash has been missing us, um, but we we have a lot to catch up for catch up on. Um, I'm not sure. The last time we talked was Lane Kiffin the coach already, or was that still in the works? Uh, Lane Kiffin was the coach. Uh, the last time we recorded was the day after Christmas on the 26th. And Lane Kiffin had already been announced. And not just Lane Kiffin, but also Eli Drinkwitz and Sam Pittman. So we already had three new coaches in the SEC at that time. But could you see Joe Moorhead being gone coming? I could see it next year. and I could have seen it maybe earlier this year, but not in January. I absolutely did not see this coming. I mean, I thought – Honestly, they should have they should have done it after the Egg Bowl, but I think 
Cohen just felt pre- didn't feel like it would be look be a good look on him if he had fired him after winning against a rival. But you know, once they had some uh, you know some team issues, you know, during bowl practice and then having a piss poor performance, you know, in the bowl game, I think that was really the final straw and a good excuse for him to uh, go ahead and fire him since he was going to be a lame duck coach the next year anyway. The big news dropped today that Mike Leach is going to be the coach at Mississippi State. Holt Smash, are you just glad that this whole coaching search is over now and now you can, like, live a normal life? Um, I got to say, it was actually pretty exciting uh, for a few days with all the rumors and uh, kind of being glued to my phone. Um, it was almost kind of like an adrenaline rush, kind of like a, you know, like drug almost. Like, it was actually, like, a re- really cool. Um, you know, on one hand, I'm glad it's kind of over and I can just stop paying attention to my phone every two seconds. But, uh, you know, I'm just glad that they didn't, you know, rush decision um, you know, obviously, people who kept up like would know that State was getting ready to hire Joe Judge, the Patriots special teams coordinator, and um, there was rumors that like Grantham was kind of like a close second, Ty Grantham, defensive coordinator of Florida, um, and then Joe Judge ends up getting the New York Giants job the next day. Very surprisingly, uh, I think really no one really expected that, um, and State kind of had to regroup, and it, it was looking like uh, early, I believe it was Tuesday morning. Uh, when that an- announcement came down, um, it looked like uh, some Florida people were reporting that Grantham was going to be taking the job. And um, I was just really worried that Cohen was going to kind of just, um, you know, panic and just try to make a move just to get over with and be done with it. But he didn't. He kind of regrouped and uh, kind of started the search over a little bit and ended up landing on Mike Leach, which, you know, I mean, I'm sure we'll talk more about this going forward. But, you know, maybe not like the – best coach of all time, but definitely a really solid coach who uh, has a lot of history, um, a lot of experience, and um, has had a pretty solid career. Yeah. How many names were thrown out there? I I think there's almost like up to 10 names that were thrown out there during this. Oh, yeah. And it was – No, I mean, there were so many. I mean, there were – I mean, Cohen interviewed probably, you know, at least 10. I mean, I know um, obviously Billy Napier was kind of like the hot name to begin with, he was kind of the hot name at the end of the the regular season when it looked like State was going to be letting Joe Moorhead go. And, um, you know, obviously totally agree with JB that they should have just gotten rid of him after the Egg Bowl. Um, I think um, – I mean, I, I'd really – I completely agree with what JB said. He made a really good point about, like, it would just – it would look like such a bad look firing a coach after being 2-0 against his rival after a big rivalry when to get you into a bowl game. But it was obvious that it wasn't going to happen there. Um, but, uh, either way, so Napier was kind of like the, the main guy. Um, a lot of people were talking about him. He ends up, you know, sort of turning the job down. Uh, you know, I don't know if he was ever actually offered the job, but he definitely was not giving any interest back to Mississippi State whatsoever. Um, and then, you know, Joe Judge was kind of like the, uh, the second person. Cohen interviewed him. Cohen interviewed, uh, Munkin from Army. He interviewed Calhoun from Air Force. Um, he interviewed um, quite a few coaches, actually. You know, Steve Sarkeesian, Alabama offense coordinator, who it looks like, uh, even as early as this morning, was still the head, you know, the main favorite for the job. Um, you know, with a, a handful of others as well, Grantham obviously being one. So uh, I think Cohen definitely did his due diligence. Uh, and there's no question about that. Yeah. And the good thing about this is that um, all those guys that didn't get the job, they might be disappointed they didn't get a job, but most of them probably got like a raise or at least got more leverage to negotiate a contract extension or renewal. Yeah. And I mean, I, I don't know about Sarkeesian's like purse, uh, you know, 
um, situation, contract situation. But I know that Alabama fans were really uh, sweating that one out. I'm, I'm sure Nick Saban was as well. Um, they do not want to have to be dealing with another new offensive coordinator next year. It seems like every year they have a new offensive coordinator and, um, you know, it's really something that they're trying to avoid. They really want some continuity there, especially losing to, uh, and, uh, you know, obviously some of those receivers they are, they're really relying heavily on Sarkeesian to, uh, to lead that offense next year. JB as somebody that has had some, uh, turnover in the coaching department at Tennessee with, I mean, I guess it, ever since Philip Homer has left Tennessee now there's been like you know what three coaches now with Dooley Bush Jones and Pruitt um and Kiffin and Kiffin I forgot about Kiffin I can't forget about Kiffin um four coaches yeah my uh my thought process is on this I understand what you're saying about um why did they why they fire him now versus why don't they just fire him after the egg bowl and you can't fire somebody um after the egg bowl or after beating Ole Miss two years in a row in the Egg Bowl and get into two straight bowl games. I kind of understand that. But where I stand on this, though, is if you know you're going to fire a coach in year three, and but you need to give him another year just to prove prove it out that you're going to fire him anyway, you should go ahead and make the fire because you don't want to just waste a whole year right? You know you're going to fire somebody anyway. Yeah, I mean, it, it's really just delaying the inevitable. I mean, I mean, let's face it. If Moorhead was coaching Mississippi State next year – I don't even know if I would pick them to even make it to a bowl if Moorhead was still the coach. So that's just how much I don't trust Moorhead. And and like Holt and I have discussed before off the air, uh, Mississippi State has a pretty favorable schedule next year. So if they didn't make a bowl, obviously he would have been gone. But it, it would have been a throwaway year to bring back Joe Moorhead. Yeah, State's not going to be a super talented team next year one way or the other. It doesn't matter if Nick Saban's coaching the team next year. They're not going to be um, a great team. They're going to struggle to get to six wins. Um you know, you just look at their offensive skill talent, and it's just – it's a lot of underclassmen. It's a lot of under, unproven players. Um, defense has some holes at linebacker, um, especially now that Willie Gay is declared for the draft. So, um, you know, it's definitely a, a situation where um, it's going to be a tough year next year. And there was no question in my mind that Moorhead was going to be fired at the end of next season had he come back. Um, I don't even question it a little bit. I mean, I hate to say it, but – um, that's just really how I felt. And, um, you know, I think Cohen made the right decision. I think they're still going to not be super talented next year, but it's going to be year one with a new coach instead of the last year um, with Moorhead. You know what I mean? So you kind of get to start the process a, a year sooner of, like, rebuilding. And we're going to talk about all of the bowl games and the upcoming national championship game, and as well as the playoff game that happened um, throughout the show. But just, uh, I guess – keep talking about this point or get this point out of the way with Mississippi State. Um, this has been said throughout the day after Leach was hired. Um, how much fun is the Ole Miss-Mississippi State rivalry going to be now with Kiffin and Leach leading both schools? Um, I know I know how you feel Holt, as like just a fan, but as a bystander, JB, don't you just love the um, – potential drama and just uh, sound bites from these two coaches. Oh yeah. Like this is already the best robbery in the conference. And now it's going to be taken up a couple of notches because, you know, these are both two, two head coaches that have a huge competitive drive and two completely different philosophies on how they carry about their program too. But they're both still like, you know, funny personalities with huge followings on social media. 
So, I mean, this Egg Bowl rivalry is definitely being taken to a higher stage, you know, outside of the SEC because, you know, having two high-profile personalities at those two schools. And, I mean, I, I'm, I am here for it. Like, it's fun to watch it from afar, too, from, a, you know, being mainly a fan of an East team. So, you don't really – you don't play these schools and you don't deal with these schools. So, it's going to be fun to watch it from afar and be able to, you know, enjoy and take a seat. Besides them – uh, just being great to listen to on the mic. I think they're both actually pretty good coaches. Uh, Mike Leach obviously has a lot of experience, has done well with Washington State and Texas Tech before that. And Kiffin, I don't know, you can maybe argue he's a little bit more unproven, but um, he did pretty well at FAU uh, for, like, I think the three years he was there, and he did really well at Alabama as offensive coordinator. So I think they're actually good coaches beside the fact that they're going to give us great sound bites oh yeah they're i mean they're both really good coaches i mean i would definitely art tell you that i mean mike leach is definitely the more established between the two and the more proven yeah i mean he's definitely won more and i mean i don't know that some are gonna say he hasn't won all the big games but he's also won a ton of big games too and a lot of games as underdogs when he's not expected to win so i mean with mike leach you know it's definitely trick-or-treat but you know i think i think the state is a really good fit for him i mean i you saw what he did at texas tech you know with inferior talent there, but and I mean, I think he's gonna have a similar kind of talent, you know, cover to deal with at uh, Mississippi State. And I mean, I think it's that he's still gonna have them going to bowls every year. And I think there's always gonna be that chance for a lightning in the ball of the year with him, too, like he had some a couple of years like that at Washington State. So I think state fans have a lot to look forward to. I know, Holt, you're worried about recruiting, which is um, easy to understand with the way uh, Leach has recruited over the years. But, I mean, if you can get somebody like Gardner Minshew, who was like a backup and he went to East Carolina and then he was back up there, I don't even know like his full story. I just know he wasn't great and he was going to like walk on to Alabama, end up being great at Washington State and end up getting drafted, end up starting this year for the Jaguars. I mean, that's just one example of Mike Leach being a miracle worker with quarterbacks. I just think – I think he can do a lot with a, with a lot less. And even though they're not talented, I would expect to see um, Schrader do a lot better this year, if not the other quarterback, whoever the other quarterback would be. Right. And it's funny you brought up Gardner Minshew as well because uh, he's actually a, a Mississippi native. Yeah. And State's bringing in a true freshman quarterback this year. Um, they played in the, at the exact same high school under the exact same coach running the same system. So, um, and very similar skill set as well. So people are already starting to make that comparison. I don't know if he starts the true freshman. If you look at Mike Leach's career, he's usually more prone to go with older quarterbacks. But, um, you know, something to just keep an eye on, just kind of a cool little story, you know, backstory there. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, obviously my biggest concern with uh, Leach um, are two things, one, recruiting and two, defense, which is kind of crazy because, you know, I think a lot of people are worried about, you know, he's going to say like some stupid stuff and it's going to come across the wrong way. And especially if he's losing, people aren't going to really appreciate it. Um, I'm, but I'm just like I'm saying, I'm way more worried about defense and recruiting. Those are like the two biggest things. His defenses have always been pretty terrible. Um, even that great Texas Tech team he had uh, was not a good defense at all. Um, you know, that, that was a fun season. And, you know, we all remember that Texas uh, Michael Crabtree game. Um, probably, you know, one of the biggest, coolest moments in college football over the past, you know, couple decades. Um, and, but I mean, at the end of the day, you know, yeah, we're going to have more talent, um, than he was, than he was able to recruit at Washington state, but he's also going to be facing significantly more talent and significantly better defensive coaching than he was in the Pac-12 North 
week in and week out. So, um, you know, it's definitely not a slam dunk that he's going to come in and just immediately, you know, make Mississippi State, you know, right up there with like Auburn and um, LSU and some other teams in the division. Um, but, uh, you know, I mean, those are just some concerns that I have. And plus, I, I follow recruiting really closely. So um, I like to have something else to kind of keep me preoccupied in the offseason. Um, so I like coaches that are good at recruiting. And I know Lane Kiffin's going to recruit well at Ole Miss. So, um, I mean, yeah, I'm I'm definitely concerned about about that aspect. There's a there's no surefire home run hire, I think. Anyway, um, not just for Mississippi State, for any any coach or any school making a hire. I mean, you look at some that we thought of as home run hires, like Jim Harbaugh at Michigan. He hasn't lived up to that hype. Tom Herman at Texas and Coach O was almost like I wouldn't say he's an afterthought, but it was like they didn't LSU didn't get Tom Herman, so they went with Coach O. So it's obviously turned out a lot better, but it's just – it's kind of hard. Any coach you hire, there's going to be some doubts and concerns. So, um, understanding with that. A couple questions for you. Um, who is going to be the defensive coordinator for him? Is there any rumors? Is it going to be the Washington State defensive coordinator? Uh, question number two, how much are they paying him? They have to be paying him a McFuck ton because he just signed an extension before um, the offseason here. And to pull him down to Mississippi State from – Washington State. I mean, I'm sure they had to pay a fat buyout and pay him like four or five million a year at least. Yeah, well, I mean, that's that's what I was thinking too. Is like, you know, they just fired Morehead, so I don't even know. I think they had to pay him like four million, and then you know they have to pay the buyout to Washington State, which apparently, from what I understand, the extension that was quote unquote signed like um, at the end of the season by Mike Leach was kind of a. Um, it didn't really increase the buyout. Um, so it's the buyout is not any more than it was before that extension was signed, um, which I didn't realize, but apparently is a thing. So, um, you know, but he was making close to $4 million a year. Uh, so I assume he's making well over that now. Um, so I don't know how much, you know, Mississippi State isn't exactly Texas saying them out here where they're just going to be throwing like millions of dollars around. So it's, it's interesting to see um, who the defense coordinator is going to be. I definitely think they should give Bob Shoup a long look. Um, to return back, I don't know how many vacant defensive coordinator positions there are around the country that are right now. McIntyre hold. Yeah, yeah. I mean, McIntyre would be a really good hire. I mean, he did a really good job at Ole Miss this year. Um, but uh, you know, unfortunately, a, he's at he's at Memphis right now. He's probably um, mad at himself for getting with Memphis so quickly after this whole thing because, like, he could have been a candidate for Mississippi State and probably got paid more too. Oh, yeah. he can he can still leave Memphis. I mean, yeah, we've seen it. We've seen it happen before. Actually, yeah. it's funny because State actually took uh, Memphis's defensive line coach like before he had ever coached the game. I think he was there for like two or three weeks. Yeah, like that happens year. a lot. Like, and you know, the assistant coaches offseason they'll agree to terms and you know go start recruiting for another school, and they're there on the job for like a few weeks, like Holt said, and then they get an offer to go somewhere else. Like, that happens quite often. So, it's, I mean, um, it's just a school because you think, like, any true Ole Miss coach or fan, like, wouldn't leave to go to Mississippi State. But McIntyre's been all over the place. So, like, I don't think it really means anything for him to go to coach at Mississippi State after he coached at Ole Miss last year. And then um, another name to watch out for, and he actually may be a candidate to replace Mike Leach at Washington State. But, uh, you know, Alex Grinch with Oklahoma, um, you know, I don't know how much Oklahoma's paying him. Um, but I know – you know, uh, Mississippi State traditionally more talented defense. I don't know if coaching the SEC is appealing to him at all, but there definitely is like you know a connection there. 
Um, and I don't think we have to worry about them taking Washington State's uh, defense coordinators. I'm pretty sure he quit like in the middle of the season. Nice. Well, I mean, you'll score more points. Just, I mean, that's that's the best. Yeah. Well, that I mean, that's the thing is that like you know we were talking about this off air as well. Like uh, Mississippi State, whoever the starting quarterback gets for the next few years is about to just absolutely shatter all of Dak's records. <laughs> now I don't know if that means that they're going to win a ton of games, but they're definitely going to put up some numbers on offense because that's one thing. Like even this year, like Washington State was a very average to below average team, and they still, yeah. you know, were top five in the country in total yards. Yeah, Gordon put up insane numbers this year, even though they, you know, finished six and six. So that is a guarantee you're going to have with this air raid. Even if you have like a down year with an air raid offense under Mike Leach's system, you're still going to put up 450 yards of offense. But I think this team still put over 500 yards of offense this year in what was considered a down year. So, I mean, that's what state fans have looked forward to. Even in down years, you're still going to have a really good offense. And I'm excited to have a good offense, like, for once. I mean, it's, you know, I mean, Dak, uh, 14 and 15, uh, those two years were really good offensively. But, uh, you know, I, I want to see, like, a a really exciting throw-the-ball offense. I think we should be able to attract, like, probably some pretty good receivers. Um and, you know, the state of Mississippi actually has three really highly rated receivers um, next year. One of them actually being not too far from us um, down in DeSoto County. But um, that's Memphis territory, dog. Oh, yeah. I forgot about that. Is, uh, did uh, the silver silver guy, did he, <laughs> did he, is he does, does, does his fence around Memphis extend into DeSoto County? I think I think it might be. I think it might because we we get, mm-hmm. we get the guys that know I call that Kiffin territory. That's, that's a big ass fence she's trying to build there. No, nah, well, Soto County. I, I would I would probably say that leans more to Ole Miss and Kiffin there. Yeah, I'm just saying, like we we get the guys that like Mississippi State and Ole Miss both don't want, and they end up being great because uh, Kenny Gamewell was from Mississippi. I forgot where Mississippi, but um, somewhere in Mississippi, and he's up. Yeah, somewhere. I think I think he was from like closer to Jackson, and I think. Uh, um, What's his name? Henderson was from was Panola. he from Bakersfield? He's from South Panola. Yeah, and then uh, who's the who's the a- the Avery guy they had a few years ago on defense? He was awesome too. Uh, oh, Gerard Avery. Yeah, he's from yeah. he's from Batesville, I think. Yeah, I, I love that how like this is an SEC slow smoke. But I swear to God, we talk about Memphis <laughs> more than like yeah. at least ten of the SEC teams. <laughs> yeah, you gotta get in. I mean, Memphis Memphis should be an SEC over Vanderbilt. I don't think that's an argument there. Yeah, you should send a petition to uh, uh, Greg Sankey. Yeah, well, I'll get on that. All right, we, all, we all know we all know why Vanderbilt's in the conference. You gotta get uh, you gotta get better at baseball, man. Vanderbilt's won like two natties. Dude, we have Sean Rock has been there for like uh, twenty years. Is he's still since, there. Yeah, he's still yeah. there. Baseball. Team. He wins. Oh my god. He wins. He's a fifty-fifty. It's a fifty-fifty team every year, or for five hundred team. And I guess they just don't care about it. I don't understand, but. Um, I'll I'll get on them because we we definitely need to get in the SEC with our with our baseball too, especially with all the talent in the Memphis area. Baseball. They have a they have a catcher from and I know we're getting way off topic here, but they they have a catcher from Arlington who was a true freshman last year that came in and just absolutely raked. I think he led the American in like hitting um, his true freshman year. So definitely exciting guy to keep an eye on. Yeah, my um, not to get too personal, but my cousin y'all y'all got him from. Uh, from Memphis, he he was in Memphis, and he's going to Jackson Prep now. He's about to go to Mississippi State. Yeah. He must be pretty good then. He must be. I tried to talk him in, and his dad played it, and my uncle played at Memphis. What's so crazy about it? But um, it happens, I guess. All right, let's talk about some other things besides Mississippi State's coach. Um, 
other news before we get in that championship. Um, JB, would you ever sue a school for losing your pinky in a in a chair that you shot it on? Um, if I know if I'm getting some money off of it, absolutely. <laughs> y'all, y'all gotta tell me the story because I actually don't even know what happened. All I know is is that soon, Georgia. JB, JB knows history. it better than I do, but. I feel like I, I just couldn't do it, JB. I know I know what you're saying. Like, let me just get a shit ton of money. But, like, you have to feel like a piece of shit after that. Like, it was – it sounds – I mean, maybe there's more to it than what I read. But it sounds like it was just an accident, and he's just trying to get some money and blame somebody on it. Um. Yeah, this this is this happened a while back. Yeah. But, but the funny part is that, uh, you know, he, his pinky had to be amputated. Well, and, tell, uh, tell us what happened. Yeah, yeah. Sell it back yeah, to people. Yeah, so – So, 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 so the, Kay, a Kay May's father, Kevin Mays, was on a, uh, I think it was on actually a visit to Georgia. This happened yeah, a while back. It's two years ago, 2017. Yeah, usually lawsuits, uh, when you file lawsuits like this, they're not going to be filed immediately, like, you know, within a month of it happening. Like, usually these take a long time for them to finally materialize. This lawsuit was filed uh, back in early December, I believe. Like, I think maybe December 4th, December 5th. But Kevin May was on a visit to Georgia with his son, Cade, and uh, he got into one of those folding chairs, I think, at Sanford Stadium, and he got his pinky jammed into the into the side of it. And uh, as he was sitting down, like, you know, the pinky, you know how, like, when you're sitting on the side, mm-hmm. the little armrest, mm-hmm. like, got jammed right there in the side, mm-hmm. and uh, he wasn't able to get it out, and they had to amputate oh, it. Oh, my God. And uh, so he now has, you know, half a pinky. So is this Kate or this is his dad? The dad. Oh, okay. The dad uh, has half a pinky. And had it amputated, and when he did get amputated, Sam Pittman took it and put it on ice to try to. You know, Could you picture it. him picking that pinky up and saying, "Yes, sir." Yes, sir. <laughs> Here's your pinky, yes, sir. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it is really an unfortunate story and a bizarre story at that. I mean, the whole thing to me is crazy. I don't really know if this is really, honestly, the reasoning why Cade Mays left. I think honestly, he just wanted to leave because he wanted to play with his brother Cooper and Kirby Smart. Did not really give Cooper any, you know, recruiting at all. And Cooper, of course, is now at Tennessee. And and Cade Mays is always a Tennessee fan growing up. So I think he just wants, and all in all, he just wanted to finish his career there. But but now with this lawsuit and apparently, you know, being transferring close to home and now with Tom Mars representing him as an attorney, it's very likely that Cade Mays is going to be ruled eligible immediately next year. And he'll automatically be slated on Tennessee's offensive line. Which they need is is Trey Smith uh, transferring? Trey Smith uh, declared today that he is. No, I don't know why I said declared. He uh, had a press conference today and he is staying. So Tennessee's returning all five starters on their offensive line, plus adding Cade Mays, who's going to start. So that there's are, are Jibby, Are you implying that next year is Tennessee's year? I've heard. When I say it was next year, <laughs> when I say there is year, because Tennessee fans said it. Every year. I was just joking. Oh. I remember I, what's funny is I remember I remember going to Memphis Ole Miss game, getting done and it, leaving. And it took like an hour to get out of that CBU parking lot, JB, and going to Central Barbecue and just looking while waiting for my food. I was watching TV and it was the Tennessee Georgia State game. I was like, dang, Tennessee's losing to Georgia State. It's only it's about to be halftime. They'll come back and win. But I tweeted out like um, I tweeted out that time said that. Tennessee fans, you don't have to uh, – I talked to a Tennessee fan, and they said you don't have to worry because next year is going to be their year anyway. And it's funny thinking about that now because that was such a shitty day, and they've come – It was. And I mean, it's, I don't think you can tell any Tennessee fan, you know, on that day that they would finish the way they were and 
and probably going to next season being a preseason top 25 team because Tennessee is very likely going to be a preseason top 25 team next year with the men they have returning. And I mean, it's just crazy to think about that. Yeah, it is. Um, and also, the, everybody was calling for Jeremy Pruitt's head after that game, which is understandable. Including they were. Including uh, they were. And, I mean, one thing I will – I mean, the only thing I will add is that Tennessee's offensive line is shaping up to be the best offensive line that they've had in, in a couple of decades. I mean, it, it could be the best offensive line talent-wise in the SEC, and, and that goes a long way in that conference. Green ranks for sure. Um, all right. So, Cade Mays' dad, Gus Pinky not blown off, but taken off by a chair. And now they're suing the University of Georgia, and he's transferring to Tennessee. Long story short, there it is. Um, also, other news, Georgia's having a bad day. Jake Fromm transferred – or not transferred, excuse me, uh, is declaring for the draft. He transferred to the NFL. <laughs> he's not to sit out a year, but he'll get there. He'll get there. Um, who else from Georgia? Swift is gone, and there's other – Swift is gone. But, yeah, here's the biggest story about Georgia. They've lost four starters off their offensive line this year. Uh, they're losing nine starters off their offense. And you could also <laughs> tap in uh, Brian Harrion, you know, lo- uh, leaving too. He was you know, the number two back behind Swift. So and then they're losing Cager. The only guys they have coming back that are starters on their offense last year is Pickens, if he can actually become – if he can be eligible and not, you know, flunk out of school. <laughs> yes. and, then also, and then also their center. So that's only two returning starters from uh, last year's team that are going to be back. And another thing is that their offensive line next year is going to be really, really young. I mean, they could be starting three true freshmen on that offensive line next year. And, you know, and then also losing Sam Pittman on top of that. So it's it's going to be a rebuilding year for that offense. I mean, the and the offense was already bad enough last year with the talent they had. But, I mean, we, all, we know their defense is going to be good, but that offense is going to struggle. And, and Georgia fans might get a little restless with the results they have. Didn't one of you say that they were getting the Wake Forest quarterback as a grad transfer? Possibly? Yeah, they are. But I don't know if he's, like, committed there yet. But, I mean, I, I think that that's – it's sort of trending that way right now, and it makes a lot of sense. And It does. It'll um, help. He had – I mean, he low-key had a huge year this year. He did. Uh, he did. A lot of people didn't talk about him, but he had a really good season and uh, definitely a huge loss for Wake Forest to lose him. But – uh, if Georgia could pick him up, I think that could definitely soften the blow a little bit. You know, they're still going to be good on defense. Um, you know, the real question is, you know, I mean, is Florida going to be able to take that next step and, you know, become like an elite team? Or are they still going to be in that, you know, good range? I don't um, think Dan Mullen has it in him. I think he's got he's got 10 wins in him, 9, 10 wins in him every year in Florida. Yeah, so that, that'll be, you know, I mean, I think, but I mean, you know, you look at the East next year and, I mean, Maybe Tennessee can do something. I, I do. They have to go to Georgia next year, but they do. Um, they know. host Florida and they go to Georgia. So I mean, it, it could be you know. And I mean, the other thing too to remember is that Georgia's two crossovers are Alabama and Auburn. So yeah, I mean, for sure. I mean, they do get Auburn at home, but Alabama on the road. I mean, that's a loss. I mean, yeah. they're losing that game. Yeah, I mean, as of now, I mean, you can almost slate Tennessee as a dark horse in these, just because of what Georgia's lost and because of. The uncertainty if Florida can take that next step. I mean, I would probably pick Florida to be the favorite. Georgia, you know, second behind them, and then Tennessee is a dark horse. I mean, I think those are really your your main contenders. But right no, now, no it's, love it's for Florida. South Carolina. No love for South Carolina. Uh, I, you know, I'll give a little love to Kentucky. I think Kentucky could be one of those teams that could sneak in there as well, and you know, give some competition like they did two years ago. I mean, I really like this Kentucky program under Stoops, and they do have a lot of guys returning. 
next year, especially on offense. So, I mean, I would watch out for Kentucky. I think Kentucky or Tennessee, one of them could definitely uh, surprise some people and maybe get nine wins and challenge for the top of the East. But I, right now I would pick – I would say Florida is your favorite in January, uh, eight months away. I'm already ready for Tennessee to lose a game that they're not supposed to just so – their fans can calm down just a little bit. They're getting a little too excited for me. Who else? Who they, else will, is... they are going to get a little restless for you, Alex. I know. Just be ready for that. Who, I'm, who I'm going to try to keep them down for you, but it's going to be hard. Who does Tennessee play in the West besides Alabama this year? They play in Arkansas. Yeah, well, they're going to win that game. So, <laughs> Yeah, you know what's funny is, man, Pittman's – I mean, everybody's, like, kind of talk, talking themselves down from the ledge, saying, like, it's not as bad at high as it looks. And – I guess it's not, but like they're gonna be bad next year. Like this, there's yeah. no. Well, I mean, they're they've fallen so far off. Like, I mean, we made this joke a few times this year, but it's not really a joke because it's true. I mean, they're like a bad Sun Belt team. Like, like I mean, they really were. Like that was like the level that they played at pretty much all season last year. And um, you know, I I, I do think we should spend just a moment talking about this because we haven't had an opportunity to. You know, we talked about Sam Pittman a little bit. Um, man, he's a good recruiter and a really good offensive line coach. But, you know, they bring in Kendall Browles to be the offense coordinator, Barry Odom to be the defensive coordinator. And, I mean, those are two really solid hires. Um, you know, I don't know what they're going to look like next year. It's probably going to be, you know, probably – I think you have to hope for four or five wins. Um, I think that's a reasonable expectation and something that's attainable. Um, but, you know, I think going forward, I think to, he can definitely get the program moving in the right direction. Maybe. Maybe. It's, it's going to be tough. Um, I, I'm not going to – it's gonna it's just gonna be hard to watch uh, Arkansas play on the SEC Network every Saturday at 11 a.m. That's what it's feel like it's gonna be. Yeah, I mean Arkansas fans, you know, I, we preach patience. You know, last off season, we gotta do the hey, same thing. Hey, this year. baseball season's almost here. Exactly. And uh, hey, their basketball team is really good. I mean, I know they lost to LSU last night, but this basketball team is really good and a really surprise team too. Uh, Eric Musselman's done an awesome job there, and, and Arkansas is gonna be in the NCAA tournament this year you know, if they keep it up. So, I mean, that's really good for them. And they're pretty well in basketball, too. Quarterback. If they can just find a quarterback, like, to me, that'll take them from an awful team to at least, like, a, you know, a slightly below average team. Hey, they ain't getting Brady White. I know that. <laughs> Dude, how sad were Memphis fans when they found out he was coming back next year? Dude, it's, I think people have come around as, like, liking him. But, like, I'm sure there's some people like, oh, shit, can't you just go somewhere else? <laughs> Even though he's, like, one of the best quarterbacks. I mean, he's not – it's funny, we've been spoiled for good quarterbacks at Memphis for the last three years with uh, Paxton, uh, Riley Ferguson, and now Brady White. But um, Brady White just makes some bad throws sometimes, but I, I still like him. I, I'd rather have him than not have him. But anyway, let's not talk about Memphis so much. Oh, God. Let's talk about SEC. Um, also, other news is that I don't think this is big news, but uh, there's a little, there was a little drama leading up to it was uh, 2-0 deciding to go to the NFL draft. I think it's the the right decision, I think, is going to get drafted in the first round, make a lot of money, but he could have come back to Alabama and run it back and try to win a national championship, but he's not. Yeah, I mean, I think the biggest thing you have to look at, and to me the determining factor, is there's already this knock on him that he can't stay healthy. And if, yeah, if he came back next year and stayed healthy all year um, and had a huge year, he could potentially be the number one pick in the draft. But I think – well, I mean, actually probably number two. Number two, uh, yeah. he's not going above Trevor Lawrence. No. But um, either way – um, and honestly, Justin Fields may have an argument to be said, um, you know, also, but, uh, either way, um, if he comes back and gets hurt next year, if he had come back next year and gotten hurt again, then I really think that, um, you know, I mean, two injuries, maybe you can consider like a coincidence. Um, 
But three years in a row, and I think that would really deter some NFL teams away. I think I think he still is going to go in the first round this year. Someone's going to reach for him. Um, you know, that's just the way it is with quarterbacks. So someone's going to you know jump up and get him. I wouldn't be surprised at all if he still went in like the top five or top ten. To be honest, yeah, he um, he's just so accurate, but he doesn't have great size either. But um, I'm actually excited for the. Um, Alabama quarterback coming in because he's supposed to be the number one quarterback. Number, not I don't think number one. Bryce Young. Yeah, you're not worried about Tua's little brother or Mac Jones. Mac Jones put up huge numbers in like yeah. every game he started. Yeah. Apparently, yeah. the talk is that uh, the rumor is that uh, Tua's brother is gonna go into the transfer portal. I don't know if that's gonna actually happen. I mean, I think right now Mac Jones would probably be the favorite to start next year. I think it would be too. But I, I heard something. What was it? I think it was um, Tua's brother to Arkansas. Yeah. I think it was David Pollock was talking about it um, on game day or on one of his college football shows that um, the freshman coming in is going to start over Mac Jones, even if yeah. he's having a great, great. I'm not going to lie. I, I actually, that's sort of what I'm expecting right now. It's, and maybe not to start the season, but definitely, Come in. definitely midway through the season, I expect him to be the starter. He'll, he'll Trevor Lawrence's yeah. way and just kind of like, he'll, he'll slowly be brought in. Like, because Saban is one of those guys, he's going to want to start off with you know, an experienced quarterback. But eventually, I think it is going to be Bryce Young. You know, before the midway point of the season, it's going to be Bryce Young's offense. Oh, who's going to be the better receiver in the NFL, Judy or Ruggs? Wow. I mean – That's not that's not a question, Alex. I mean I, – I not, not to disrespect one of them. I love Ruggs' speed. Um, he's probably one of the fastest receivers I've ever seen. You know, Judy's obviously a little bit more of a complete receiver – um, but I mean, Hey, like it really may just depend on which one gets put in the better system. You know what I mean? Like, um, y'all saying like, it's not a debate. I think it's actually a debate. Y'all are, you're saying like, it's hands down Judy is what you're saying. I mean, I'm saying that they're both really good. I think JB's saying it's not an argument. I'm saying that I definitely think that Judy's better, but I'm also saying that I wouldn't be surprised if like rugs went to like the Falcons and was like, unbelievable. Oh, or something, and then you know Judy goes to like I don't know, like the Dolphins, and like doesn't do anything. Y'all know what I love is just all of a sudden out of nowhere, I was like, man, why did uh why did DK Metcalf slip so far in the draft? And then people are saying the same thing about AJ Brown. It's like, did y'all not watch them play at all at Ole Miss? They were awesome. Yeah. Well, well, the other thing um, I would like to point out is we did a post draft podcast last year, and I just remember talking about like what a great fit. DK Metcalf was in uh, Seattle, and I think y'all like didn't agree with me. So, well, I don't say I didn't wouldn't agree with you. I just I didn't think I don't know why he slipped that far down because he before, yeah. Well, the, draft, the reason he slipped that far is because he's so big and he's not ag- he's not agile for a receiver. You know what I mean? Like he looks more like a tight end than he does a receiver because he's so freaking big. Like he's just he's just a massive dude. Like he's got straight line speed. And that's exactly how the Seahawks run their offense is vertical passing game. And Russell Wilson's one of the best deep ball passers in the NFL. Um, and it's just a perfect fit for him, I think. Like, I just feel like they're really able to use his skills. And, um, you know, I think the route running thing has been overblown. I think that's – he's obviously proven that this year. Um, and then, obviously, A.J. Brown was always good. Like, that that was never a question. Like, I, possession I, like, I mean, I, I knew A.J. Brown was going to be good. You know, Metcalf, you know, yeah, there was the questions about the route running, but I think, you know, just like I said, he was in the perfect he's in the perfect system for his skill set. And yeah, I mean AJ Brown, he's always been a stud. Like there was never a question in my mind about him. Yeah, he's one of my favorite players right now for the Titans, among other players as well. Um, 
All right, let's talk about the national championship game because the playoff games already happened. We can review it a little bit, but let's talk about the championship game first. Um, we got Clemson and LSU, the Battle of the Tigers in New Orleans. Um, JB, do you think it's going to be, what would you say, 60-40 LSU fans in New Orleans or more? Um, I'd say that's a fair assessment. Clemson's definitely going to bring a lot of fans in this game. Uh, you know, that's we're talking about just in the stadium. Now, if you go out on Bourbon, there's going to be a lot more LSU fans. That, you know, they're going to be down there, but not going to be able to get into the stadium because there's just, you know, obviously not enough seats. But, I mean, Clemson's definitely going to bring in a huge contingent, and they're going to, you know, sell out their allotment on their end. But as far as, like, general seating, LSU is definitely going to dominate that. Now, I would say 60-40 is a pretty fair assessment inside the stadium. Hold on. I saw this question on SportsCenter, and I was kind of surprised by the answer, but I'm curious what you're thinking. Which quarterback would you rather have in this game between Burrow and Lawrence? I mean, it's got to be Burrow right now. Like, I mean, I love Lawrence maybe, like, a little bit more long-term, but Burrow has been unbelievable this year. I mean, it, it's it's really, like, I can't stress this enough, like, how incredible of a season he's had, especially compared to, like, how just average he was a season ago. I mean, like, he's he's – you know, to use a, a quote from um, the movie Zoomlander, he's so hot right now. Like he's, he's got just the hot like, hand. He he cannot like. I mean, he just can't do anything wrong. Um, I won't I won't finish the rest of the quote, but either way, yeah. it, it was it, he's having a really good season, and um, that's an understatement. He won the Heisman by far, and um, you know, Trevor Lawrence, I think long term is maybe got more of just natural ability. Uh, but uh, I think this game right now, in this moment, like you kind of have to lean towards Burrow a little bit. Yeah, Burrow currently has the hot hand, and I mean, he's had the hot hand all year. And, you know, I think a lot of fans didn't really start p- taking notice with him until maybe in October, but he's been, he's been hot all year. Like, he's, he has not really even had one game that I would consider bad. I mean, maybe the Auburn game is the worst game he's had, but he still did pretty well that game. Yeah. Um, well, the argument was for Lawrence is that he's 25-0 and hasn't lost a game as a starter. Another thing I would say, though, um, I know Trevor Lawrence hasn't played the teams that LSU has played, but um, what I would say for Trevor Lawrence is that even though he is a sophomore, he does have the experience of winning a national championship, and I think that's worth a little something, even though Burrow is a senior – is it fifth-year senior? Is that what it is? Yes, I believe he is because he was uh, a redshirt junior last year when he grad transferred, and he had two years left to play. So yeah. I believe he is a fifth year senior. Yes, but the national championship experience is not worth something to say like, okay, we can offset Burrow, even though as even though as great as he's been, he doesn't have the national championship game experience that Lawrence does. I don't think that matters honestly. Yeah, I mean, like Burrow played in big games all season. Um, you know, you look at the going into Tuscaloosa, going into uh, Austin against Texas. You know, you look at the SEC championship game, and then Florida. obviously the yeah, Florida was at home, but still um, a really good performance in that game. And then obviously the uh, the semifinal, um, which we can review for you real quick. Um, LSU beat that ass. Yeah, that, there's not there's not much to review. I mean. LSU's prime time, Oklahoma is not and never will be. Well, this is what I'm I'm just kind of concerned about. Like, if, if you're picking the game, the championship game between LSU and Clemson, on one hand, you want to say, and this is what I'm kind of struggling with, is that you want to say Clemson because Clemson's been there before. They won it last year. They have Dabo. They have 
I don't know if they have more talent. It's, it's tough to say if they have more talent. They do it. They, it's, it's a draw. It's comparable, yeah. Yeah, they definitely have a lot of talent, though. But um, if you watch the semifinal game, it is hard to pick against LSU the way they destroyed Oklahoma. And I know Oklahoma, like what you're saying, JB, isn't really deserving of being on the same field as LSU or Clemson or even Ohio State, but that's – Still a good Oklahoma team that I don't think Clemson would beat by that much. No, I agree. And, I mean, when, when, when LSU did Oklahoma, it surprised everybody. I mean, I expected LSU to win this one, you know, convincingly, but not this convincingly. I, my final score I would have picked would have been something like, you know, 45, you know, 24, you know, something like that. I, I would have expected something more respectable. What they did was absolutely astonishing. And it was it was it was embarrassing to call yourself an Oklahoma fan with that god awful performance, you know, being down forty nine fourteen at halftime. I mean, the game was already over really at the end of the first quarter. I would still want to be an Oklahoma fan being eleven to one in the semifinal game, but yeah, uh, I mean, but I mean, yeah, we we tweeted this out, and it's actually kind of true not to get like too far away from the national championship game, but uh, Oklahoma is kind of like what everyone says Notre Dame is, like where they. You know, oh, they just played their stupid schedule all year and they looked like just barely good enough and then they get in and then they just get killed. I mean, Notre Dame has really earned that reputation, but Oklahoma is actually that like to an, an even bigger extent. I mean, like it's been like a long time now. And I mean, you know, you look at the, you know, what was it? The uh, the Rose Bowl against Georgia, you know, that was a great game. They, they played great for one half, but every other game that they played in in the playoff era, has been like just they've been dominated. They got blown out by Clemson. They got blown out by Alabama. Now they got blown out by LSU. Like it's just you know at some point like when do we stop like letting these dudes in? It's obvious that the Big Twelve is just like uh, pumping them up and making them look a lot better than they really are. Well, the problem is, I mean, you're gonna let Georgia in because Georgia would be the next team, I guess, and you're gonna let them in after they already lost to LSU by twenty or thirty, whatever it was. I'll put Memphis in. Yeah, I would too. Actually, they—I mean, hey—they—they they deserved it. They—they uh, they the game except for that one that, that didn't even count because he caught the ball. No, I'm just kidding. Like, I mean, I'm not—I'm not necessarily saying that should have been Georgia instead of Oklahoma. Like, all I'm saying is that um, it's pretty obvious that Oklahoma has been massively overrated these past, you know, yeah, few years. The past, like in the playoff era, Oklahoma has been massively overrated by the media. Going back to the national championship game, Holt, um, we've we've been talking LSU up a lot and especially after they beat Oklahoma by as much as they did, and they just they look unbeatable and unstoppable. And it's almost like Clemson's not even getting a fair chance or people aren't considering them enough to be, like, an actual um, competitor to LSU or, like, come close to winning that game. But if you remember last year when they actually beat Alabama, before that game we were talking about Alabama being the, one of the best teams of all time. With, we were. with the way their offense was playing. And their defense wasn't playing as great last year, but it's still pretty good. And um, Clemson ended up destroying Alabama. So, I mean, could you see a similar thing happening this year, Holt, with how much we talked LSU up and how badly they beat Oklahoma to where Clemson comes in and actually, you know, is the better team? Well, I'll, I'll tell you what. Like, one thing that, you know, was really the difference in the national championship game last year uh, was the fact that Clemson – really wasn't able to stop Tua. They had, I believe, like maybe was it two or three interceptions. Yeah. I know they had the pick six early in the game, but there may have been another interception too. I can't remember the exact numbers. Um, but Tua had a ton of yards, but they just weren't giving up touchdowns in the passing game. 
and they were able to stop the run in the red zone. And that was really the difference in the game. You look at the, the point total, it's a huge difference. Yardage total wasn't at all in the Alabama Clemson game last year. Um, you know, and then you look at LSU's offensive numbers this year, and it significantly leans more towards the pass. So, I mean, I don't know if maybe it's a similar situation this year where they can just kind of keep everything in front of them, let Bro get his yards, but then, you know, claim down the red zone. You know, maybe that's something that they're able to execute again this year. Um, but, uh, you know, that's definitely something to watch out for. And, yeah, I mean, I think people are sleeping on Clemson a little bit. I think, you know, people are kind of forgetting they've won, like, however many games in a row now. It's been, like, 20-something. Um, you know, they've been on a really incredible run. Uh, I think the last game they lost was the the uh, Sugar Bowl to Alabama a couple of years ago. Um, Kelly Bryant's last game. I don't think they've lost since then. But, no, uh, they haven't. That's they've been really impressive, and uh, you know their defense has been better than LSU's. I mean, all season it's been the better defense, and um, you know it's they've had a long time to prepare for this game. And look, I mean LSU's faced some pretty good defenses this year and totally torched them. But I think Clemson might be the best defense they've faced all season. Yeah, I mean this game to me is really it, it's, it's going to be hard to decipher. But I will make one point about last year's game for Alabama. Uh, they had a few assistants that were leaving, and Saban made a point after the game. I mean, of course, that's just Saban, you know, being Saban. But he did question a lot of his staff members about whether or not they were really focused on this game and whether or not they were prepared for the game, like, in, in the manner that they should, you know, considering it was a national championship. This LSU team, on the other hand, is extremely focused. I mean, they came in the first playoff game against Oklahoma, dismantled them. And Ordron, I mean, this is his team, his staff, they're all locked in. They're all locked in. I mean, I've never seen a team as focused and, you know, as, as much as they are. And, you know, they're just a team of destiny and they're going to be ready for this game. I think this in, in, you know, Clemson's going to be ready too. I mean, this could be set up to be one of the uh, all time great national championship games. I mean, this could rival USC, Texas, as far as like magnitude. Two evenly matched teams on paper, at least. Uh, so I'm excited for it, for sure. Oh, would you want to be in New Orleans if LSU won, or would that be even too crazy for you? No, that would be awesome. Um, I've actually, uh, you know, uh, hate to admit this, never actually been to New Orleans in my entire life, which is crazy. Spent um, about six years of my life living, like, in a border state in Mississippi, um, and then obviously spent, you know, maybe, I guess, 11 years total living or probably more than that we're like 15 years of my life living in memphis which isn't too far from new orleans either but um you know i i had to say i've never been so yeah it would be uh really fun to go it's definitely on my bucket list uh and i actually tiger stadium is really high up on my bucket list as well but yeah i would uh absolutely love to be in new orleans like one way or the other even if they yeah. lost they like to be there a um a slow smoked field trip is to Orleans because I've been wanting to go there, anyway. but I mean we'd actually have to go to Baton Rouge for LSU games. But yeah, we just need you to get our, your Magic School bus ready. Well, you know they have I think they have limos that'll take you from New Orleans to Baton Rouge, so we could actually stay in New Orleans and then take a like a car over to Baton Rouge. I don't even think it's that expensive either. Well, um, I mean we just give them some advertising on the podcast and probably yeah, right. We'll just yeah, exactly. Let's get get Davey to start talking about CC slow smoke to all all of his friends. Yeah, so we should go. What we got to figure out which LSU home game we want to go to next year, but we, we got to go. Yeah, I mean, I would. Uh, you're you just want to be in New Orleans because you haven't been in New Orleans. I, I want to go to New Orleans too, but I'm just saying, like, I think it would be awesome to be just in the city at the time of the championship game, kind of like when I was when the Super Bowl was here last year. 
um, in Atlanta and I was here, although I didn't take full advantage of it. Um, it was still kind of fun to be around here and be just seeing everything for the Super Bowl that was going on during the week. Um, so I think it'd be a lot of fun to be in New Orleans right now. Yeah, definitely would be. Uh, Mississippi State goes to LSU next year. We could go to that game. Yeah, I mean, hey, was- they, I mean, uh, they play Alabama, obviously, and uh, yeah. Baton Rouge as well. Yeah, they got two marquee big games next year with Texas and Alabama. I mean, both of those are going to be. Let's say Mississippi State and Alabama. I was going to say, like, those are both, like, really hot tickets, though, with Texas and, <clears throat> and Alabama. Like, that's quite a, you know, premier home slate with those two games. I mean. There's going to be like $150 bare minimum just to get you into the stadium. It's a good thing SEC slow swim makes a lot of money. It is. For sure. Um, all right. So we talked a little bit about the National Championship game. We talked about Mississippi State's head coach for a while. We talked about um, Cade's May, Cade May's daddy's thumb or finger, pinky, wherever it was. Pinky. Yeah, pinky. Excuse pinky me. Pinky swear it was just pinky. How's it going to flip people off a John? Yeah. So wait a minute. Does this mean that when uh, he signs Cade's LOI, that he did it with the pinky swear and it's now void. <laughs> well, except for he, he wouldn't have signed it, would he? Because Cade would have signed it. Well, maybe he didn't. Maybe. Well, I mean, doesn't the parent have to sign it too if they're under eighteen? They're probably he's probably eighteen. Maybe maybe he, maybe he pinky sweared uh, Kirby Smart that he wouldn't transfer to Tennessee. <laughs> I, wonder, <laughs> I wonder at what point do, does does everyone start making jokes about pinky swearing to him? Like, is it when? What point is it not too? <laughs> You know, I, feel, I, feel like, I feel like we've already crossed the start. It's been two years, and he's about to get a bunch of money from it. Well, it's so fresh. I mean, I think if like, you say something to him about Pinky Swear, he'll probably just like break down and cry. He's probably a big dude, too, if his sons are offensive linemen. Just start breaking down and crying if you ask him about Pinky Swear and stuff. <laughs> but um, anyway, let's talk about some of the bowl games for like three or four minutes here. There's a shit ton of bowl games that happen. The one um, I'm thinking about the most and I'm most disappointed about is the Auburn-Minnesota game. Holt, you're probably disappointed with Mississippi State, but that kind of happened um, for a reason to get Joe That's Morgan. in the past, and it, it's, it, it all came out well for Mississippi State after it. I'm disappointed with Auburn, but not surprised that the Gus bus is teeter-tottering between being on the hot seat and being a great coach. So it's kind of fun uh, to be on the Gus bus. It just is what it is at this point. Do you guys follow the four-year lettering guy on Twitter? Always. Yeah. Yeah, he's so funny. He made a tweet after this game. Is like, uh, Gus Malzahn's ability to do just enough to not get fired and not a millimeter more is an inspiration to Americans everywhere. It's like one of the best <laughs> tweets I've ever seen. It's like in uh, office space. What he says is like, you know, that might that might motivate me just enough to uh, work hard, just enough to not get fired. <laughs> exactly. I mean, that's that's exactly what it is with Malzahn. It's like he is. He is just good enough to not get fired and like, not, oh, like, you're, not any better. You're going to fire me? All right, I'll show you. I'll beat Alabama real quick. All right, you good? All right, I'm losing Minnesota. Yeah. <laughs> Screw the ball game. <laughs> yeah. All right, we'll start back on the hot seat. Throw the ball. <laughs> yeah, like, just to be, like, Frank, I mean, the, the, to me, the most exciting bowl games that we had in the SEC, I mean, Minnesota-Auburn was exciting, though. You know, Minnesota won, but uh, – one thing noteworthy was Alabama running up the score at the end of the, of the uh, Citrus Bowl. That was so funny to me. I mean, Saban could have taken a knee there inside the five-yard line. Instead, they just kept on running, and eventually they got in the end zone to me. I don't think Saban would have done that. You know, any other opponent, he would have just needed. But because it was Jim Harbaugh and all the things he's done, you know, the things he said on Twitter and his satellite camps in Alabama, that he really just stuck it to him there. 
But, I mean, the other good game was a Virginia Tech-Kentucky. That was another exciting one. That had one of the best endings of the bowl season. You know, Lynn Bowden went out on top. Fuente. And then, what are you saying? Fuente. Yep, Fuente. I mean, that was – and, of course, you know, they had a lot of bad blood, those those two teams. Like, over the week, those two teams were bickering back and forth, like, at all those, you know, events that the teams have to do together, you know you know, public appearances and stuff, and they were both just constantly going back and forth. Like, it wasn't friendly at all. And then before the game, I mean, Lynn Bowden had to be separated from, uh, I think, the other team as well. Like, both teams had to be separated in the pregame, and they were both chipping, you know, chippy throughout the games. And then Kentucky wins it at the end and gets a scoop and score, just add on to it. So, I mean, that was really exciting. And then, of course, uh, the Indiana-Tennessee game, Tennessee had to come back, like, down 13 and scored two touchdowns in 30 seconds. So, those are probably the most exciting games. Are Tennessee fans ready for Garantano to like not be a starter, or are they going to like support him because of all the adversity he's been through? <laughs> um, you know, it still remains to be seen with Garantano. Um, there's there's still, uh, I think, a slight chance that he could even grad transfer out and not be the quarterback next year. I mean, I don't think that if Gar- if Garantano is a starting quarterback next year, I don't know if Tennessee will be good enough to, uh, you know, take two steps instead of one step, especially with that offensive line, because I think Garantano is just a slightly below average quarterback, and I think you could really only expect eight wins if he's your starting quarterback, even with that really massive offensive line that they're going to have for him. Eric Gray is my, my favorite dude on the team, not just because he's from Memphis, but also because he's pretty good. Yeah, Eric Gray is going to be poised. probably one of those guys that's poised to break it's out. Like he, he got under-recruited or he got recruited late. He ended up being like Mr. Tennessee football like the last minute season. Yeah. He's like yeah. one of the championship. Yeah, Eric Gray is probably going to be uh, one of the big breakout players in the SEC next year. I mean, he's going to be able to really have some gaping holes to run through. And, I mean, with that speed he's got, yeah, he's he's going to have a pretty good year, I think. You like those gaping holes? I do. <laughs> uh, uh, what was your uh, favorite bowl game, Alex? Um, SEC or non-SEC? SEC. Mm, I don't know, man. I don't really like that many of them, honestly. I, maybe the Kentucky-Virginia Tech game, I guess. But yeah, That would be mine, too. I knew I already mentioned that, but, you know, we can't really give enough credit to Lambo. I mean, what he was this year, I mean, he was incredible. Like, our Twitter account has, you know, pretty much just been dedicated to him anytime he's on. Um, he just had an incredible season this year, and it was really fun to watch, and um, I'm just glad as a fan I got to enjoy it. Um, he really – carried uh Kentucky what they were able to do this year you know without even throwing a pass was uh really remarkable and he threw the game uh, winner he threw the game winning touchdown pass it was just it couldn't have been like a better moment and um you know I'm just really happy for I'm happy for Kentucky fans happy for Lynn Bowden and um I'm just glad as a fan that I got to watch uh, him have such a great season and I'll definitely be pulling for him in the NFL uh Holt, what is uh Colin Hill's draft stock at where, where is he going to supposed to get drafted at? Um, I think he's supposed to be like a third or fourth rounder type. Um, running backs can get picked high anyway. So, yeah. And plus there's a d- decent amount of running backs this year. Um, I mean, I feel like that's probably the case just about every year. So, um, I don't know. There's been some rumors that he's maybe returning to school. Um, I don't think the Mike Leach hire really helps that at all, but, um, you know, I was looking at Washington State's running backs numbers this year. He rushed for like 800 yards and then uh, had like 600 receiving. So, well, 
Um, you know, he could definitely maybe work on his pass pass catching skills and his you know pass blocking skills. But I know uh, um, he's definitely not going to be leading the SEC in rushing next year with Mike Leach as, as the coach. I know you 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 worry about the run game with Mike Leach, but one good thing about the running backs with Mike Leach in the air raid is that when the running backs do run, nobody expects it, so they end up going for like ten or eleven yards every and not every single time because they don't average that much. But it is usually a surprise, and they usually average more yards per carry. Well, the, the best thing is that the passing game is so efficient that it, it – I hate to say it works like a running game, but, like, you know, some of those short passes that he runs and they run them so often that they almost become, like, extended handoffs, you know, somewhat. So, yeah. um, you know, the short passing game is still – they're so efficient that, um, you know, it kind of turns into, you know, the like same – Yeah, it kind of turns into, like, the same um, – you know, thing that you're getting out of the running yeah, game. Yeah, it's like a, having a run on first down. Like, he gets a lot of four- and five-yard passes on first down, which is almost like a run on first down. Better than a run because the quarterback gets some confidence, too. Right. Momentum, yeah. And that's the thing, too, is, you know, Mississippi State's had problems, like, recruiting receivers and stuff like that. But I think that's definitely going to change. I think they're going to be able to lure some uh, some good receivers to State. And then I think Leach is going to be able to uh, – you know, develop receivers really well, even if they're not highly recruited. So I definitely think that, uh, you know, quarterbacks who can throw the ball and receivers, um, you know, is definitely going to be an improvement under Mississippi State. The real question is how much do they fall off as far as defense and running game go? Just uh, don't don't come recruiting into Soto County, bro. Yeah. Uh, Mr. Silverback's got that, got that fence built. Do you think he'll learn his name by the end of the year? Dude, I, I, all I know is there's, there's silver in it somewhere. That's all I know. I, I might like call him silver, silverback because I called, I called Garantano, Garantano, and Guantanamo for the longest. I still like calling him yeah. that. What about uh, Jordan Tamu? <laughs> yeah, I like Tamu. <laughs> or, or China Hubbard. China Hubbard. China what Hubbard. was the other thing you called Tamu before the season started? You called him Tamu last year, and then you called him something. You called him something else that was also wrong. <laughs> what's his What's his correct name? Is it Tiamu? I think it's Tiamu. <laughs> Tiamu. Or then another one. Uh, you had former Quindary Witherspoon. You called him Quandary Witherspoon. Are you talking about the state basketball player? Yes, former state basketball. Hey player. man, he he put up thirty in the G League the other day. Did you see that? Yeah, yeah, dude. They, and broke, Lamar, broke, Lamar Peters did too. It broke Sports Center. I know. You watch out, Popovich is, is turning him into the next quad. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I think that might be the end of our end of our little night here. Yes. I was about to say, as soon as we get to NBA talk, that's when you know it's time <laughs> it is. Although, uh, one, just one more thing. Uh, I think we should all three of us give our score predictions for the national championship game and end on that. 69 to – Nice. 69 to 96. <laughs> uh, um – We'll start with you, Al. I'll say 31-28, Clemson. Nice. Holt? Yeah, well, I thought I was going to be a special one about picking Clemson, but I also got Clemson. Um, I'm going to go – see, that's actually a really good score, but I'm going to go 31-37, Clemson. I am going to go with LSU, 34-27. Go Tigers. Yeah, but I will say that I've been picking against LSU all season. So, LSU fans, you do not want me to pick LSU. And I'm actually I, doing you all a favor. About and I LSU. have picked LSU all season. I have not picked once against LSU. I picked LSU to beat Texas and Alabama and Auburn 
and Florida and Oklahoma and now Clemson to cap it off. This is a team of destiny. Uh, probably we are arguably one of the greatest teams of all time after they win the national championship. They still got to get the job done, but I believe in this team. I believe in Joe Burrow. I believe in Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase. I believe in Moss. I believe in Clyde Edwards Hilaire. Uh, which other receiver I haven't mentioned yet? Uh, uh, Ter- Terrence Marshall. I mean, all those guys. What about racing math? Yep. And then also, uh, I, mean, I, I, I just tell you, I believe in this team. That's it's a great team. And I'm just, just to quote Orgeron, go Tigers. We're yeah. coming. You know, JB, that uh, Auburn was also a team of destiny after they kicked six and ended up losing to Florida State. But that Auburn team was lucky at times. This, this LSU team <laughs> is not – This uh, yeah, I know. That's really an understatement. That's an understatement. It's, yes, I was really trying to be an understatement there. But my point being is that this LSU team has dominated almost everybody that they have played. I mean, they've not really had a – really and truly a close game. The closest game they had, I mean, I guess you could say uh, Auburn, but, I mean, Alabama too. But those games are really never in doubt. Like, they were always going to be LSU's wins. Oh, I'm assuming we're all rooting for LSU. I, I kind of want to see a good game before. Yeah, LSU. I just – I want a good game before. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. the most important. I mean, I, I think it's going to be a good game. I just think LSU is going to win. I mean, I think LSU's defense is uh, playing, you know, lights out right now. They're They're showing what they should have been all year. I think they're on par with L- with Clemson's with Clemson's defense, and I give the edge on offense to LSU. I think, I mean, just about Joe Burrow, he's a hot hand. I mean, the biggest the biggest thing I would compare would maybe be the trio of receivers. Clemson's got you know uh, T Higgins, Ross, and Rogers, and then you got you know a nice trio at LSU with Chase, Marshall, and Jefferson, and then the running backs to me are are really a draw between Etienne and Edward Solaire. So I mean, it's. It's a really, it's almost evenly matched on offense, but I still got to give the edge to LSU. You think LSU's going to win, JB? Yes, I already picked LSU, thirty-four twenty-seven. Okay, thanks. I'm the only uh, one picking LSU. All right, I think that's the, the only, only one, one in the world. Only one on this podcast picking LSU. Yeah, listen, I think most people are picking LSU to win. They're favorite in the game. I, I thought that like I was being like different about picking Clemson. Yeah, on the ESPN bowl pick them, uh, 62% of the country is picking LSU, 38% is picking Clemson. So, I mean, Clemson's not being totally disrespected, but LSU is still a, a, slight, a, still of a somewhat favorite over Clemson. I think that's the end of our show. Uh, thanks, everyone, for listening. And uh, thanks, Holt and JB, for your expert analysis and insight. Yeah, maybe we can talk a little bit more about Memphis next time. Sorry Anytime. sorry for all the Memphis fans who, who tune in uh, to hear Alex talk about Memphis for like 20 minutes podcast. Yeah, next time we do this podcast, LSU is going to be national champs. We coming. You heard it here first. See you. Thanks for tuning in to another outstanding episode of the SEC Slow Smoke Podcast. Be sure to rate us and subscribe on iTunes or your podcast app of choice. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at SEC Slow Smoked. Spread the good word on this podcast like the chili and cheese on your fries. If you like this podcast, tell a friend because there's plenty to go around. Oh,